Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today's episode, this is the two-parter. So if you haven't listened to the first one, please do go back. But this is all about Cobra Kai and the mental health and life lessons we can learn from the show. Part one dives into the lessons we can learn from the show, and part two is a deep dive into the characters and their overall story arc and the lessons they had to learn in terms of life and mental health. That's what it's about. If you like the work we're doing and you want to pitch in a little bit, you guys, we aren't making one red cent over this. We are waiting for sponsors. We're growing. We're getting bigger. Things are blowing up, but, uh, you know, we're still not big enough to get sponsors. And so we're trying to get to that next echelon. And we need your help by sharing the show and by pitching in a little bit until sponsors take over. So if you want to help us, please do share the show. We are for empaths. We are for people who love the spooky life and Halloween and all things ghosts and cryptids. We're all about that. But you can help us also by going over to our link tree. Linktree forward slash Chef Comedy is where you can find our tip jars and find our link to Patreon to become a Patreon. We've got four different tiers from $3 to $20. We're trying to be a show that is both thoughtful, insightful, and funny with a little bit of heart too. We're trying to create a world that's a little bit more compassionate. We need that these days, you guys. We need people to be a little bit less selfish and to have a good heart and to know where the line should be of decency. That's what it's about. So thank you for being a friend. Thank you for your patronage. And let's begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have my beautiful wife and co-host, Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello to the folks. (laughs) So, you guys, this is a continuation of the lessons we can learn from Cobra Kai. So, the first part is really mostly about what are the lessons we can learn uh, moral lessons, moral, you know, just what lessons and life lessons can we learn from it? And then this part is going to be more about taking each character and, and deconstructing them and finding out what is their story arc, what is their main mental health makeup, and what lesson do does that character need to learn in a general sense? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to continue on, though, real quick. I want to talk about uh, some of the lessons we can learn, and then we'll go into all the characters line by line, one by one, okay? So uh, I have here conquering fear. Conquering fear. Good grief. If that's not a lesson, I don't know what is. And it's very prevalent throughout the series. Very prevalent. You know, um, I was a shy, quiet kid until kids would... Fuck with me. Kids would mess with me. It scared the shit out of me. I didn't know how to fight back then. And then I took karate and judo. And uh, before you knew it, I was kicking kids' ass in the schoolyard. <laughs> Literally sometimes. 
Um, but it taught me uh, self-respect. It taught me how to handle myself. I mean, you know, just because you're good at playing video games doesn't necessarily mean you know how to use your hands and turn a wrench or how to do things. You know, that's what I never understood about Donald Trump. How in the hell can you respect a man who can't use his hands to do anything? Jesus Christ, the only thing he can do is point those fat sausages at people and do those weird things he does with the accordion and shit. Like, <laughs> there's like an invisible accordion between his hands. Um, but I, how can you respect a man that doesn't know how to use his hands? I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily macho, but good grief. How can you respect... They, they, claim, they hail him as this, like, supreme leader. And, dude, the guy can't even tie his own fucking shoelaces. I just don't understand how you can respect a man with such little character. It's a mystery. <clears throat> it is a mystery. And I'm not trying to get political, but fuck him. All right. So moving on, uh, but conquering fear, man. I mean, yeah. I had to do it. I was scared shitless when I moved from one area. All my best friends were there. I ended up moving to, to Northern California where there's a lot of cowboy culture and conservative culture. And, uh, man, I had to fight for my right to exist, dude. And um, it was scary sometimes. People would push me in the halls. People would trip me for no reasons. And kids are fucking cruel, man. And, and unlike adults where, generally speaking, they mind their P's and Q's, they don't get violent to you usually in most cases. They might talk a little trash, but they never get like that. Kids have no filter, and they will do mean, cruel things. I was thrown into a fucking puddle once by people wow. who claimed to be my friends. Mm -hmm. They picked me up. There was four of them. They picked me up by my hands and feet and threw me into a puddle. Wasn't that great? Wow. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's what I mean is that I was a shy, quiet kid. But then as I learned martial arts, uh, the first time uh, I remember it was my, well, <laughs> it ended up being my, my future friend's older brother, uh, the one who would later turn on me, and then I ended up becoming friends with Craig and company. So, you know, must run an asshole must run in the family. But um, <laughs> but I remember I was on the playground, and this was in the seventh grade, and I was like, you know, those little they don't have these things now because everything's nerf and padded. But there was the you know the round thing made of uh, bars that kind of creates the bar half dome. Oh, yeah, you climb up on it and so stuff. I fell off upside down, landed on my back, and knocked the wind out of myself. Yeah, yeah tell me yeah, about I, remember it. I got that some one. stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy Gary, he's messing with me and all this, and I'm like, "What? Well, I've been taking judo, so I'm thinking this is my opportunity." You know, I'm like, "But it's scaring me because he's not only older, he's bigger. I'm scared, and he's screwing with me." And so I pulled this uh, move on him. It's a judo move where you um, you use somebody's force and inertia against them, and they're pushing you, and then you grab them, and you do a roll, a tumble roll, mm -hmm. and you throw them behind you. And, oh, my God, I flung that motherfucker into these bars. <laughs> he landed all crooked and shit, got stuck in there. He's like, let me out, let me out. Oh, it was perfect. Oh, God, it was sweet fucking revenge. It was... Oh, Candy for my soul, but mm -hmm. um, but uh, he never fucked with me again. 
And uh, the point is, is that um, I was satisfied with that. I, I wasn't trying to dominate. I was just trying to get some justice. You know, justice is equality. You know, tit for tat, one for one, you know, and I think some people don't know where that line is and they go too far or they let their ego get to them. But um, but yeah, afterward, he got stuck. He couldn't get out. I was like, I could kick the shit out of you right now, but I'm, I'm going to leave you hanging right there. I'm going to let the teacher handle you. He couldn't get out. He had mm-hmm. to, the, the, the assistant on on uh, duty had to come get him out of the bars. <laughs> he was stuck, man, and he hit his head hard. And uh, I remember years later, I ended up becoming friends, good friends with uh, his younger brother, Keith. And he was on my soccer team for years. And we were friends. I'd go to his house. uh, And one day he just turned on me. But I remember I was at his house one time and his brother Gary comes up to me and he's like, hey, remember when we fought? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm so sorry, bro. I was just going through shit. I I was such an asshole. And. I was like, I'm, you know, I was big of you. Thank you. And he was actually a nerdy, scholastic, academic guy. And he grew up to be a very smart, not nice man, you know. So you never know how someone's going to turn out, out by the behavior of how they act in school. Oh, definitely. Some yeah. people grow up and some don't. I mean, that was the perfect lesson about when uh, they were in the bar in Ohio, the girls were on the bar, is that some people grow up. Some don't, you know, that, that mm-hmm. Elizabeth girl, just same attitude she had back then. And it's like, good grief, girl, get over it. Yeah. A lot of people 30 just, years ago. Yeah. That was their glory days. And so they stay stuck in the past and yeah. just keep reliving it. Exactly. Um, but, um, but conquering fear, it, it can be a fear of bullies. It can be fear of change. It can be fear of um, bosses or authority figures. It can just be a generalized fear like you get sometimes just because you're so introverted, you're afraid to put yourself out there and step up. And then when you are put in a tenuous position, it makes you emotional and then you'll cry. You're like, God damn it. I have, you know, it makes, it makes people think you're childish, but it's not, no grown women Sometimes when you're overly frustrated, you end up crying and you're like, God damn it. Because you have something to say. Most of my friends are like that, too. Like when we get angry, when we get nervous, when we get scared, like especially when it's angry, it's when you're angry, it's especially frustrating because you're super frustrated and pent up. And then you just go. It makes you cry. (laughs) Now, I don't I'm not a big crier. I cry when I'm super, super duper, like next level sad or next level of frustrated. Um, but most of the time I don't. My my depression manifests as just frustration. But um, but uh, it can totally belay your point because it's taking away your credibility. Here you're this tough cookie, and then you cry. You're like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that you know, never is gonna think I'm a wimp now. But um, conquering fears is hard. Is there anything in your life that you can think of that um, you really had to conquer your fears? There's, well, one of the biggest ones started when I started dancing in kindergarten, going on oh, stage. Totally, I mean, that was totally. as that, that's a like me shy and person. To get out of my shy little head. Yeah. So that was one <laughs> of my biggest ones. And I continued doing that, you know, into my late 20s. And it's still, it was still scary every time you did it. Yeah. And it was just something that I was able to make myself do. Um, 
going for job interviews is always super, super intimidating and yeah, scary. I, for it me. took me a while to get over that. And I got to a point where I was like, fuck it. You can't lose anything. You can only gain. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> charm them, charm their pants off, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, meeting you going out of my oh, comfort zone totally. and you know, it wasn't as intimidating for me because I think by then I was already jaded enough to go. Eh. Cause like that last situation I was in with that bad date. Uh, and the way she behaved, I mean, it was unconscionable. I couldn't believe the way she was acting. It was so immature. And she was, she lost her fucking mind because I lost, cause I asked for her last name and I even told her, I was like, what, where did it say that this was anonymous? Uh, this is, I'm asking for your last name to find out about your cultural heritage, not to look you up in the phone book. Right, exactly. <laughs> but even like, you know, the first time we moved up here, going from California, being a lifelong Californian oh, to, yeah. to Oregon or Washington. Oh, like man, that, remember the scary. ordeal of getting yeah. up here for the uh, first time? I, I do. See, and that's what I, I'm so glad for my military experience because it taught me strength beyond strength. You saw how hard I was pushing. I was carrying freaking chairs overstuffed chairs by myself up three flights of stairs. Like, I don't know if I could do that now, but I mean, but, but I've just learned a strength that the military taught that um, is next level. It's like when you get in trouble and you have to pull a car off your mom or something. It's kind of like, that's what I was at at that point is just that super strength, you know? But yeah, all those things are scary. Yeah. Well, life is scary. You know, I, I sometimes think about anxiety and I think, well, what is anxiety really? What is panic? A lot of people get panic disorder and sometimes it can be a chemical imbalance. Like for me, I'm allergic to aspartame. And then to, to hide the symptoms of the aspartame, which is a excitotoxin, uh, duh, it creates a nervosa in you. I started getting... You know, I was prescribed Xanax and benzodiazepines, and then that just mashed it all the more. And then one day, I swear to God, I swear to God, I um, I was just having a bad day, and I just I was listening to Lannis Morissette in the in the tub crying, and nothing had happened. And I realized, holy shit, dude, you're turning into a woman. <laughs> and I don't mean that against women. I just mean to say that I was like crying over a Lannis Morissette. I was feeling so sensitive and so fragile. Um, and I realized because it was screwing up my chemicals. So sometimes fear uh, can be just a chemical reaction to a stimuli. Mm-hmm. And we have to get through and over that. We have to learn to conquer our fears. What would be your advice to people, whether it be job fears or fears of being bullied or whatever, what is your main advice that we can give to people to conquer those fears? Because change is hard. Yeah, it is. You just kind of have to try to put each situation in perspective. Like, okay, yeah, it's scary going out on stage. Okay, I could fall. I could forget my steps. Okay, I'll get back on track. What's the worst just that kinda, can happen? Yeah, Well, you exactly. know, that's a, that's a really fair point because um, when I was having my panic, <clears throat> uh, I was taught a technique of how to get through your panic attacks when you're having one. And basically, the gist of it is, is to dare it to kill you. And when it doesn't, mm-hmm. it passes. It's almost like when you will something to be, all right, do your worst, fucker. 
and you invite it to kick your ass. And when it doesn't, it passes. It's this weird mental process we go through. And that's what fear is when you go on stage and perform for the first time. Um, or the hundredth time. Or the hundredth time. It <laughs> becomes less scary over time. I mean, I was so afraid of podcasting when I first did this. I was awkward as all hell, man. And I just decided, fuck it. No, no, no. Um, don't think about your, the cynics and the critics. Think about those who, you know, could get something good out of this. Your friends, people in your corner. And that's what I try to do is always think about who you're helping, not who's sitting around keeping score of mm-hmm. how they can talk shit about you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, another lesson learned here is finding your tribe, finding your group. Um, I've been through a, a handful of groups, especially as a child, but it happens as adults too. But you find a group of friends and then say you find out that they're just not good for you. They're not scholastic. They're not very kind. They don't have a conscience. They have much to learn. And you start to realize, I'm hanging out with the turd kids. I'm hanging out with the the bad kids. And then you have to find a new tribe of people. What do you think that we could learn about some of the lessons that Cobra Kai teaches about um, uh, interpersonal communication, friendships, and the betrayal of trust, and how we kind of have to find our place and our friends, our group, our tribe? It's especially in the teenage years, it's hard because you're trying to figure yourself out. You're trying to figure the world out. You're trying to fit in. Absolutely. And it comes down to like a lot of these kids, they kind of finally figured out who they were and what they wanted and who they wanted to be. And that kind of helped them align themselves with the correct group, the correct dojo, the correct group of people. Well, I always say, um, I hate to be a nerd about this, but there's a thing in science where protons and electrons, electrons are always looking for their place. And there's a thing called electron shelf. And when an electron shelf is satisfied, there's leftovers that have to find their electron shelf. And and so the point is, it's kind of like that game where it's got the different size marbles in it and they all find their, their shelf. They all find their level based on their size. And eventually the cook... You just let the cookie crumble where it may, and you end up where you're supposed to be. I found my group with uh, Craig and uh, Corey and uh, Glenn and Gino and uh, another Corey and all these folks. That was my that was my tribe. You know, we, we were into movies, and we were because all my friends before that were soccer friends and athletic friends. And while they can be nice people at that age, uh, they were just bunch of d-bags and so i found my tribe who were just loved saturday night live and comedy and and movies and talking about movies so you know i think eventually yeah you you might get tossed around for a while but eventually you end up on the level you're supposed to be and you let the cookie crumble you don't fake your way into friendships because eventually you're going to be found out for who you really are and uh you you know that's what i love about this show is like people like hawk and dimitri found their friends through this medium, karate. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't have to be thin. You don't have to be buff. You just be yourself. I mean, a lot of those tertiary characters, one's kind of fat, the kid with the curly hair. Then Mm -hmm. you got the little small one with glasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're all just different. Yeah. And they're all kind of 
geeky and nerdy, but they're but they're in this thing together, and it just creates sort of a camaraderie, and uh, it's a camaraderie of uh, acceptance and differences. Yeah, definitely. And that really warms my heart. Mm-hmm. You know. So the last lesson learned I have here is being cool versus being chilly. Now I take that from an old George Carlin quote where he says. You ain't cool, Skeezix. You just chilly, and chilly ain't never been cool. Do you know what that means? I, I intellectually, yes, but I'll know that I can. Yeah. <laughs> well, what it means is you're not cool. You're chilly, and chilly ain't never been cool. What he's trying to say is, is that a lot of people act like assholes and jerks. Uh, to, to um, it's a, it's a drama. It's theater. They're doing it in front of people to look and appear cool. And a lot of kids, especially younger people, will act a certain way to try to egg on and act cool in front of their friends. And um, what he's saying is, is that you're not cool. You're just chilly. And chilly ain't never been cool. Chilly means being cold. It's not cool yeah. to be harsh. It's not cool to, to exploit people. It's not cool to cross the line of decency. And, uh, and, uh, I just think that's neat that that came from George Carlin because mm -hmm. he was a wise guy. Yeah, he definitely was. So what would you say we can learn about being cool versus being chilly? Well, Cobra Kai's chilly. Yep. And Miyagi-Do is cool. And they ain't the good chili either. <laughs> no. They ain't chili <laughs> con carne. No. No. They ain't chili hot, red hot chili. They ain't chili peppers. No. Um, Miyagi-Do is cool because they just accept each other and they let themselves be and they're themselves and, and they're, accepting and yeah and they're primarily defensive and i love i love how this season you know the seasons are always like uh the best defense the best offense is a good defense and so with miyagi do karate their main philosophy is defense but, aha, we learned in, I think, season four when he went to Okinawa that there's a major, major offensive in their karate that isn't well taught or well known. And so this season was all about sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And mm -hmm. so how, when you've tried to be cool, you've tried to be nice, you've tried to be diplomatic, now the gloves are off and you got to fight. Well, and that was what the combining of Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang was. Because totally. Johnny had the, the yeah. old Cobra Kai background of the offensive. So it was yeah. a good Yeah, so it became a nice mix of yeah. no mercy and uh, learning uh, a strength in defensive tactics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, well, you know, like when I was in soccer, like I said, I mean, I was on the winning soccer team for like seven years. In my eighth year, I was on a new team. And while I was the star forward, we got scored on so much that it didn't matter how many score, how many goals I scored because we were we were getting scored on too much. And so it, it goes to show that while uh, uh, being on the offense is always the coolest, you know, you always want to be the star center in football or the star quarterback, uh, uh, whatever it's called. <laughs> Don't ask me. You want to be the <laughs> offensive line. You don't want to be a defense because it's cooler, right? Um, but sometimes the best uh, defense is a strong defense. You know, like when you're playing checkers or when you're playing chess, 
you don't move that back row and no one's going to score on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was a black sheep with um, uh, Chris Farley and David Spade where he's like, well, how do you expect me to win when you never move your back row? <laughs> and then he started that avalanche. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In that cabin. Yep, I do oh, remember God. that. But, yeah, I mean, you know. So I really like the way this show balances things because it shows the difference between being cool and being chilly is that being cool is not about being the strongest or being the coolest. It's about being the nicest. And that's what I liked about Robbie, um, Johnny's son, is that he could have been the coolest because he has the coolest hair. He has the biggest muscles. He could be a total asshole. But the re- what makes him a good character is not how cool he looks or how mean he can get or how much how good of a fighter he is. It's about his ability to know where the line of decency is. And he learned that through Miyagi-Do. So I really like the overarching lessons here of teaching people that, you know what? People are fucking sick of bullies. We are, we are becoming a post-bully society. And while it does happen, I do think it's really refreshing that we're finally coming to terms in our culture that bullies are the ones that lack emotional growth they're the ones that lack emotional maturity and that being cool is not about how much of a dick you are but being cool is about um, how much of a humanitarian you can be oh yeah for sure you know you know i like that me too you know and i do think there's probably other lessons to be learned here um, but I think we've got the lion's share of them figured out. Um, but uh, I wanted, the last thing I have here is, um, you know, I told you that I, we would talk about Kenny and how where um, toughness goes too far, you become the villain. Uh, speak on that a little bit in your words. Well, yeah, especially when it comes to him. Like, yeah, being tough helped him get back at the bullies, yeah. who was Anthony and his friends. Which was he was in the Which right. Is fine. At that he point. was absolutely in the right. Like, you know, he, an eye for an eye. He crossed the line when Anthony tried to come to him with an olive branch and say, hey, I'm sorry. I fucked up. I was a bully. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. It was bad on my part. I'm sorry. Well, and, and maybe it could have been where it, when they were even. He yeah, got him. Exactly. He got him back. We're they even, were even. Steven, and then, then he kept he, piling yeah, on. Because they were even. And then he apologized. But then he yeah. just kept going with it. So right. at that point, he became the villain and became the evil one. Totally, totally. And, and, and that's the thing about life is that sometimes we've been hurt so much. You know, it kind of reminds me of our falling out with those ladies a few weeks back is that we've been hurt so much that um, some people become coddled. They, they absolutely depend on their tragic past or their um, broken nature to uh, think that they they can elicit uh, sympathy out of people and and then people start to coddle them, Mm -hmm. you know. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about finding toughness. Um, But uh, when you use your past or the times when you've been hurt as a means for perpetual bad behavior, I think you, you don't understand anymore that you're no longer in the right here. Oh, yeah. You, you, at some point, you learn t- 
toughness. You you get your justice, but then at some point it, it goes into where you're the you're in the wrong now. Where do you yeah. think that line is? That's well, like in Kenny's case, it was when be when the bullied became the bully. Yeah, when he just crossed that line. Well, like, he just never relented. Yeah, exactly. It was like Jesus Christ, bro. I mean, you know, I'm glad that you're hooked on this this Cobra Kai excitability and this toughness and this new life that has uh, sort of gotten you out of nerddom, gotten you to feel strong and good about yourself, all good things. Yeah. But now, guess what? Now you're the bully. Yeah. And he took, it was the opposite of what Miyagi-Do is. He took the strike first, strike, strike hard, whether it's deserved or not. Yeah, he didn't. Instead of defending himself, he didn't seem he to became, care about the circumstances. It no. was no mercy all the time. Yeah, and that's how you become a predator. That's yeah. how you become a sociopath, and that's how you end up in fucking prison because you don't understand society rules. And guess what? That's where Chris and Terry are now. Yeah, yep, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, because I mean, I spent many years being angry, angry because of injustice, uh, angry because of people's mean meanness i was a nice shy kid why would anybody want to fuck with me um and then you start to uh, sort of let those things uh sort of well up inside of you where you never get over it and uh your maturity just goes bye-bye for a time where you really do think that you're validated you think you're validated and exploiting or hurting people you take your strength and power too far and then you end up being the bully no. You're no longer the good guy, you're the bad guy. And I think that's happening a little bit in our politics. I have nothing against conservatives, but they're trying to, you know, have their cake and eat it too in the in the sense that uh, you guys fucked up by uh, bolstering Donald Trump and his crazy psycho bullshit, and you're to this day beholden to this psycho. You know exactly the toxicity that your values and your party represent and yet you don't do anything. There's no sense of reflection in who they are or what they do. No, they doubled down on everything instead of taking a step back and to rethink, reassessing, and to refocus. Yeah. And, to, and I think one day something will happen where uh, they will rise from the ashes of their former self and become a better party that's just that's for something than just against something. But at this point, you're the villains now, motherfuckers, and you're hopefully, you know. In the midterms, uh, you know, they get their comeuppance because we need to teach the lesson in the society, not left versus right. That's bullshit. It's about right versus wrong. And when you're mm -hmm. in the right, you deserve the spoils of being the mature one, of being in the moral right. And I, I sincerely believe that when your energy is right, you will get the lion's share of what you deserve. Not always. And it might not happen right away, but when you're a good person, you center yourself energetically, you keep yourself in the moral right, like Danielson, like Chosen, like Johnny sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will win a better life because of um, the fact that you've energetically um, uh, created, uh, 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 you, you've created change, you've created an environment of growth, and that's what's important. Yeah. Okay, so is there any other life lessons? I think we've hit on most of them. Is there anything nagging in the back of your mind that you could think of? Is there any other life lessons that perhaps we maybe have forgotten? 
I'm sure there's more, but there's uh, there's probably something, but yeah. nothing is coming to mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, what it's about it's about um, defeating your bully. It's about understanding how to roll with the punches with change. It's about how to befriend people who are good for you. That to identify bullies and bad people who are going to take advantage of you or exploit you. That includes Terry. That includes your friends who are with Cobra Kai who might have ulterior motives. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, really what it's about is about um, uh, maturing uh, your sensibilities and your emotional intelligence to the point where you're not dependent on other people. You are your own person. And it, it's better to live in peace by yourself than to not live in peace with a lot of people around you. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's why I keep my life small because of, I feel like a lot of people now, while there's a lot of good people out there, and I have many, many friends who are just great people. Um, but we're not talking every day. Shit, I'm in my 40s. Like, you don't talk and text like you're 13 anymore. <laughs> you know? Far from it. Yeah, no, you catch up every well, couple months. Not that we texted when we were 13. Well, no, we didn't have <laughs> cell phones in those days. <laughs> no we did not <laughs> it would have made my life so much easier i know i was so shy like i could have used some text oh i know <laughs> remember the first time you had to talk to a girl right. <laughs> over the phone and how in love you were and how weird and infatuated mm -hmm. you were oh, texting God. would have made my life so much easier <laughs> oh indeed um but but yeah no at the end of the day uh what i like about the show is that it, it teaches moral lessons, it teaches strength and tenacity, it teaches ethics, and it teaches how to do these things amongst the framework of the modern world. It's not trying to make, it's not trying to sugarcoat the world in a sort of quasi-Disney-esque way of, of life. Um, there was some rated R shit in here. I was like, I, they went there. I was surprised. Yeah. Kind of like when Daniel... Uh, gave Crease the number to his lawyer, and he's like, no mercy, motherfucker. I was like, oh, that was great. And you yeah. could tell, even my friend Craig was like, you know, I think Crease respected him for that. I think so. Oh, yeah. I definitely he's think like, he did. Yeah, good answer. Okay. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't talk shit about that one. Yeah. It was a page great. out of my own book. Yeah. yeah. Page mm -hmm. out of his own book. Exactly. Yeah. But um, now that we've kind of learned the moral lessons if you will i want to go character by character talk about who they are talk about uh perhaps their story arc and uh, mental health wise what was their problem if any where are they now and what is their overarching mental health sort of lesson that they need to learn let's start with daniel song so okay. talk about daniel daniel he came from very modest roots, built up a understatement. A, yeah, built up a, a car selling empire. I think for a while he maybe got too comfortable in the fact that he was well off yeah. and respected mm -hmm. and like he could just kind of do whatever. He Not that he, he was mean about no, it. No, but no, no. Just but maybe he was just riding just riding that wave of ease of life mm -hmm. and that nothing really he didn't wasn't challenged anymore. Yeah. So maybe he had to realize that in order to keep it, you had to keep putting into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think he had to reassess his uh, ideas of what's right and what's wrong because he was so resistant to 
joining forces with Johnny because, oh, we've always been rivals and his mm-hmm. philosophy is opposite of mine. And he had to loosen up a little bit and kind of yeah. let go a little bit. And, and, he, realized and he learned that, that his way wasn't the only way. That was mm-hmm. one of the central lessons he learned last season yeah. that that sometimes um, other people have a good way of doing it, too. And that's like with yeah. Samantha. She mm-hmm. was Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do, yeah. which, which taught her... Good defense and good offense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the best of both worlds. Yeah, and I think it just it helped him. <clears throat> he's he's lightened up a lot. Yeah, and been more open to things, right. which has made him more well-rounded. What do you think the mental le- life lesson is for him? If like, if you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, I think it's to to just lighten up a little bit mm-hmm. and let people breathe and be who they are. It Instead reminds of me trying of that to mold everyone. Song, Lighten up, baby. I'm in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> I had that in my head as soon as you said that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, no, I think that was kind of the big thing is just kind of be open to people being themselves a little bit more. Yeah. And you might be able to learn something from them. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people, like my friend Roger, some people are just um, very meticulous. They're very clean. They're very. Um, OCD, and they don't allow a lot of uh, differences or chaos in your in their life. And so it's it's like sometimes introduce a little bit of chaos in your life. Yeah, you might enjoy yourself for yeah, once. Exactly. Yeah, that's I think totally that's the, it with Daniel. Yeah, and he learned that through I think not only this whole karate thing, but I think he learned that a lot through Johnny as well. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Okay, speaking of Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> oh that man is hilarious i love him um i love them all but yeah. um johnny is there's always a montage of him fucking up <laughs> i love this season where there was a montage of him working for the doordash and he's DoorDash like and uber <laughs> it's so funny i mean he's like he's like why is my why is why why why, why is my food wet because there's beer in here (laughs) he's like he didn't give a single fuck if only we could live life with that much impunity Mm -hmm. oh my god but then he also realized that okay you gotta buckle up a little bit so he's he's grown a lot well yeah i mean you know he went from i'm bitter about my life i'm bitter about daniel larusso being you know successful um and then he learned to grow uh, as a person. He learned that he's a good teacher, and he's good with these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he became a teacher, and 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 uh, um, in a manner of speaking, he be, he really did become a leader. And uh, he became a sensei. And he became a sensei. He became worthy of sensei. Yeah. And uh, and that was terrific. Um, you you want to speak on his uh, plight and perhaps his mental health life yeah. lesson? Well, his biggest lesson well he grew up his yeah. biggest lesson is realizing that he screwed up with his ex-girlfriend with robbie yeah. and he doesn't want to make those same mistakes again right. and he grew up enough to admit his mistakes and yeah. try to fix them yeah so that was his biggest he just matured that was yeah and he grew into who he could be in yeah. his potential and so now that uh spoiler alert uh he has uh a baby coming on the way with Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that relationship is so fucking cute to me. It's super sweet. Oh, it's just, I love it. Yeah. And that montage where he was 
where she was dreaming <laughs> of the Top Gun montage. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I and and that's the thing that I love about that. Let the lesson we can learn in Johnny Lawrence is that he's a bad boy. He's stuck in the eighties. He doesn't know technology for shit. But he means well. He means well. And, and he's, he's so willing. rough around the edges. And then yeah. just because someone's rough around the edges, kind of like me, a little rough around the edges, but good intention is that yeah. I'm crusty but kind. And he's a little yeah. crusty but kind. And kicking and screaming, but he's willing to learn. Yeah, so exactly. You know. Well, and it shows that even people who seem like lost causes uh, aren't if you reach them the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I always think in politics that if liberals just quit acting like a bunch of goofies, that we might be able to get further. But it's not what we care about. It's how we say it. Quit acting like a bunch of pussies. Act like somebody who just cares about the earth, who just cares about policy, who just cares about, you know, if we acted like regular people, I think it would go a long way uh, for concern. Not the conservative, because conservatives got... They're obstinate. They're never going to relent. But but maybe if we got liberalism to not sound so silly and wimpy and uh, goofy that perhaps we could actually talk moderates and, and some people into understanding the need for green technologies, the, gre- the need for a better uh, yeah. infrastructure and growth. But mm-hmm. when you talk like an angry lib... Just with yeah. a grudge. Well, it's, it's the way you frame things. And, frame and back it. to right. Cobra Kai, like when <clears throat> Daniel finally realized that he needed to stop talking down to Johnny and actually take a step back and listen to him and talk to him like a person. And realize that just because he's a certain other. way doesn't mean he's yeah. an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once and, he was willing to treat him like a human being, mm-hmm. the progress and the growth happened. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. But uh, anything more we can say about Johnny? I could talk about Johnny Lawrence all just, fucking yeah. day. He's, he's hilarious. So fun. He's yeah. The he's banquet beers. But, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the banquet, Don Daniel says. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the banquet. But oh. yeah, he's just he's a fun character. Yeah. He's shown a lot of growth. Yeah. He's just he's a good guy. And yeah. He's yeah. Been I, through I, a lot. I love his character. I love his growth. He, well. We're going to save this for the end, but we're going to talk about who growed the most and the least in this show. Mm-hmm. Don't let me forget. That's at the end. I will try. Uh, yeah. But I want to talk about growth. And, and well, it might not other, be Johnny, but yeah. I, I have somebody in mind. One other thing he learned, too, is just he held on to the bitterness of everything for so long. Oh, and it took him a years, lot, a lot to, to learn to let go of it. Decades. He kinda, had to relearn from, yeah. from the ground up. In yeah. his 50s, you yeah. guys. Yep. So don't think that um, age has anything to do with it. It has to do with holding on to petty grudges. Has to hold. has a lot to do with holding on to who you think you were. I mean, I used to be a badass karate dude, and I used to be a badass... Well, my friend would make fun of me for saying this. A badass soccer player. He thinks, you know... Soccer's for wimps, but <laughs> <laughs> and they never they 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 tease me uh, endlessly about that. But I but uh, I was a badass soldier, you know. I was a badass martial artist, you know. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of a couples retreat where he's like, "I was awesome in high school." Check tape. 
Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we have to grow out of who we think we are and start becoming who we really are. Mm -hmm. And it's always a part of you, but you just have to kind of keep growing instead of being stuck. Well, you can't just be obstinate and immature and brash all the time. You have to learn nuance. And I I think that's the thing is that um, if I had to guess, Johnny's brashness is getting a little bit into Daniel and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 Daniel's sensitivity is getting a little bit into right. Johnny. Maybe not through each other, mm-hmm. but in the growing, in general growing yeah. process. Well, and being with Carmen too. Oh, like being with a mom yeah. and a nurturer and well, yeah, because she's not going to put him. up with no shit. She no, comes from Ecuador. But, she, yeah, she ain't, <laughs> exactly. She ain't dealing with your American sass. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she sees him for who he is and, and likes him and for who he is and likes the '80s stuff. And yeah. I love that little exchange they had where they were. He's like, "Here's the baby stuff, but uh, here's a little bit of uh, Metallica and Dawkins, and you can change it to Dawkins." Metallica, if you want, there's Dawkins in here mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, she's like always Metallica. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Carmen, you're my girl. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can we talk about uh, Miguel's grandma for a second? Of course, <laughs> <laughs> Grandma Diaz. Uh, I love that character. You know, they always kind of hint to her being stoned all the time, <laughs> which you know is probably for pain or something. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, well, can, Grandma's got a little sassy side. She's so got she's, a, she's got sass. She's, yeah. she's not. She's no fool. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. And I and I and I like that. That's what I like about the show. That's what I love about Amanda Larusso so much. Is she? I mean, when they were showing the scenes of her uh, dancing, oh my God, Carmen and her were sexy as fuck. I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. I was not yeah. expecting it to look that good. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then to see. How much character they have, how much intelligence they have. And the thing is, is that both Carmen and Amanda, what makes them great partners in life, great women, is their meta wisdom. They're smart, they're intelligent, and they're ethical, and uh, they're just so able to see right through everything. It's great. Definitely. You know? Yeah. They can tell when the the respective men are trying to pull something over their eyes or, you or know, pull the, something on them. Or, or the greater ridiculousness of all this nonsense. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that really also helps ground the show because if you didn't have that, you'd be like, this is getting too weird. This is getting too mm-hmm. fake. This yeah. is getting too surreal. So you have a man that has like, a grounding, uh, yeah. you know, a believability See, to really? it. Really? This, this karate feud, really? Really? <laughs> Would that really happen, really? But then I also love the but fact it, that when she went to Ohio and saw, you know, her cousin explained how it really was very serious right. and saw how even her past was coming back <laughs> to haunt her. So she's, yeah. she's very capable of taking in new information and growing and not staying stuck in her Well, and how much do we about talk things? about on the show is taking on new information and informing your senses for change. Yeah. I mean, um, some people are impervious to new information, uh, either because they lack uh, uh, ethics or they lack con- inner conviction or they just don't have the intellect to understand how to grow and change. And so, yeah. you know, I think the vast majority of people out there are good people, um, but there are going to be um, dark triad narcissists out there, people who are just um, committed to misunderstanding you. There's a meme about that. 
Some people are just committed to misunderstanding you. And uh, a lot of times it's coming from a place of they just love being muckrakers. They just love drama and they just they're never going to grow in the amount of time you have. And so you kind of have to just cut bait on people that are just lost causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like sure. my father. <laughs> yeah. But that's a whole other cup of tea. <laughs> okay, you know, we gave a little uh, props to Grandma. Uh, she's hilarious. She's funny. She's wise. She's supportive. Perfect Grandma. Exactly like my Grandma, except my Grandma's white. But, you know, we can do. Uh, well, and she didn't smoke pot either. <laughs> Different generation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, elephant in the room. Stingray. Let's talk about not only Stingray. who Stingray is, mm-hmm. what that whole thing was about, because they they never tried to make him a serious character. They always showed you that he was a fucking idiot, that he was, you know, a, a caricature, that he was, he, he, there's always going to be people in our life that are just so ridiculous, so over the top. Um, and and maybe not exactly in those ways, but it's to show us that some people um, are really just caricatures. They're they're mm-hmm. stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, but but we I've grown to love Stingray. Talk about Stingray. Well, Stingray, everything he does, his motivation, he just wants to be accepted. Right. He just wants friendship and acceptance. He just wants to get along and be yeah. accepted. Mm-hmm. And because he's overweight. And because he's a little nerdy and because... Not super athletic. Well, and that's just it. You know, I think his his change will come when he chooses to... Um, because I think everything... He just doesn't know how to um, put forth the effort. When he learns to put forth the effort and really grow committed to Cobra... Not Cobra Kai, Karate... Mm-hmm. Um, I think the change will come. And, well, and he did show some moves in the oh, last yeah, episode. Oh, yeah, and he kicked those guys' yeah. ass when they showed up at the, yeah. the dojo there. And he's he's someone that <clears throat> has a conscience, and you knew that things were weighing on him. And when it came mm-hmm. to a point where people were getting hurt, he stepped up. Well, and I like the way him and Tori sat on their um, knowledge didn't come to their conscience right away because that's more true to life. It is. Yeah, Most people, you know, like in, you know, in, in sitcoms, they come to their, why didn't you come to your senses sooner? Most people feel more than just one emotion. There's many mm-hmm. my- myriad of emotions that prevent us from coming to our senses sooner. So yeah. uh, great redemption story there with, uh, with Stingray. Um, I really enjoyed the scene where they came to him for the truth and he didn't want to kind of be obvious about it. So he put it in dungeons and dragon <laughs> right, terms yeah, or dungeons and dojos. Dungeons and, dojos. <laughs> yep. yeah. and I thought that was a lot of fun. And, and mm-hmm. basically what it boiled down to is that he's afraid of, of Terry. Well, yeah, he almost killed him. He almost killed him. Not only is he yeah. afraid of him and intimidated by him, but then also he's giving him all these gifts. Yeah. Now, you know, it makes you wonder how much of him just did it for the gifts and how much of it was because of the fear. I have a feeling that the fear factor was greater than the gift giving. I think he took the gifts because he's afraid. Yeah. And again, ultimately that wanting to be accepted, like even though it was conditional acceptance, Mm -hmm. he was still being accepted. Yeah. No, it wasn't true. It was fake, but it was still, 
yeah, he was part of something. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and that's what I liked about the character. You know, for a while there, I was like, he's um, he's a misfit. And while some misfits are more likable than others, he was one of the more unlikable misfits because he lacked what? He lacked conviction. He lacked character. And now he's learning conviction and character and uh, true friendship. He's learning yeah. loyalty uh, in a way that um, really endears me to him. I, I like the way that played out. Yeah, because one thing, too, like his his need for acceptance was so strong that by doing by coming forward at the end, he could have lost everyone. Like, you know, yeah. the um, Miyagi-Do, they could have been like, okay, you finally told the truth, but you're still a piece of shit. Right. Like, he could have been ended up completely alone. They could alone. have just used so him, it, yeah. but they accepted so him he, after he came to his So, senses. yeah, so yeah. it was brave of him to actually come forward mm-hmm. because he could have lost everything. Absolutely, so. yeah. And, 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 and I think the lesson learned, the, over, the main lesson in some of these, because you've heard of Greek, Greek tragedies. There's always an archetype of anger, archetype yeah. of jealousy, archetype of comedians. Sadness, happiness. Sadness, happiness, Mm -hmm. all the main emotions, right? And so the archetype here is that he is the jester. He's the joker to not be taken seriously. Um, And yet um, somehow through this, he's um, found legitimate uh, acceptance and uh, uh, inner toughness and character Mm -hmm. uh, through the way this went down. Now, you know, you could sit there and question whether or not what he did accepting these bribes was a was a good or bad thing or not um but um like i said uh, maybe he did it because he was afraid he absolutely was afraid he almost got killed if he, he told easily terry fuck off i don't want all your shit it, it would be the same as standing up to your bully and, mm-hmm. and 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 we're talking about a bully that kicked his ass and put him in the hospital yeah so for sure I, I i forgive him oh yeah definitely. and i think his lesson is is that even the most jokey, non-serious <clears throat> person, kind of like uh, Anthony, kind of like uh, Samantha's uh, brother. <clears throat> uh, you could be the most um, just uninvested person in the world and still have a redemption and mm-hmm. still be a good person. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we've talked about Stingray. I love him. He's a good, good man. I think uh, season six will uh, show a lot of these characters uh, arc to being going from bad to good, mm-hmm. all because of Cobra Kai. Uh, they will find them. Do you think Carrie, the Asian guy on Cobra Kai? Kyler. Or, or Ky- <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> Kyler. Do you think he'll uh, have a redemption or do you think he's pretty I much done? Because and he did throw his jacket did, down at yeah, the end. Yeah, he did. That was the only thing he's done that's been even decent. Because even before Cobra Kai, like, he was dating Samantha, and he was like, oh, this is a bracelet that was an heirloom. And then he had, like, ten more because he got them off, like, Wish or something. He was, so he's been a douche since the beginning. He was just a douche since the beginning. Well, so. I think the lesson there is is that some people are just douches, and, st- and, and they will never, ever yeah. grow. And, yeah. and you just that's a lesson we have to learn. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that might be. Because even if he does quote-unquote, redeem himself, I'm still not going to like him. Right. So, well, it's just, it, it depends. Sometimes they, they do something and we're like, they, mm. they, they kind of tear, 
you know, I don't know, but on your heartstrings five a little bit. seasons of him not being a douche. It's going to take a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, lastly, well, actually, next to last, we're going to end with which character has had the most and least amount of growth. But real quick, Terry versus Crease. I have written here Terry versus Crease dealing with wayward and bad people. Now, um, Tell me the difference between Kreese and Terry in terms of their villainous chicanery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't used that word in a while. I, I know, it has been there. a while. Yeah. Well, I don't want to totally repeat what I said last time, but yeah, like Kreese started out at Vietnam and losing his girlfriend kind of turned him the wrong way. He didn't guy. start out bad. Yeah. And even starting Cobra Kai, I think he his he had good intentions of helping kids stand up for themselves, but he mm-hmm. took it too far. Yeah, which he might have taken it too far for this. Like I said, um, uh, you ain't cool, you're chilly. When you go too far, just like uh, the Kenny character, uh, is that you, you You not only learn to defend yourself, but then you learn to um, bully people. Be a bully, You yeah. go too far with it. And so do you think maybe the reason why he took it too far was all because he lost his girlfriend all those years ago? I think it's it's a crutch. An, an so excuse? It's kind of an excuse. I mean, it, it kind of explains things, but it doesn't excuse everything going forward because people need to grow yeah, you and know the, learn from things. One of my gripes about that whole storyline is that had Terry been caught and he'd done nothing, he would have been vindicated and released from jail. Instead, now he's got a jailbreak under his ass. He'll <laughs> never know. get out of jail, So, which means yeah. that, you know... There's a writing term called irredeemable characters. Yeah. He's an irredeemable character now because how yeah. can you redeem him? I mean, my friend Craig has a, a theory that he'll have to sacrifice himself mm. uh, to save Johnny or to save Johnny's kid. He thinks he's going to save Johnny's um, newborn somehow. Yeah, that's that would be a good writing. And that's what they do when there's an irredeemable character. Yeah. The only way to redeem an irredeemable character is for them to die honorably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because there's nothing you can do to redeem that character through their actions. Yeah. Because they've done too much at this point. He he committed yeah. a crime. He broke out of fucking prison. And, and uh, you thought he was coming around a little bit really with the did. therapist. Yeah. And then you find out while he's doing this little sob story to her, he's stealing her badge. Yeah. And so, yeah, he just... <laughs> Which was all, so unfortunate because I really did think he was coming to terms with things. Yeah. And um, while that's not his way, we should know better. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing for me is is that um, oh, if he had just waited, he would have been released from jail because he was falsely accused. Yeah, and now committing more crimes on right. top, committing new felonies on top of the felony that would have been dropped. Mm-hmm. Bye. I know you're a jailbird yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and just going back to the original movie, like he was having, he had Johnny cheat. He had his his students cheat. To win, and he screwed Johnny up for his whole life. What do you and think that cheating to win thing is? Is that just no mercy? That was just taking no mercy to a whole level yeah. that, that wasn't excusable. You yeah, know? which teaches a good lesson that um, uh, cheaters don't win. Cheaters yeah. don't win usually. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe in the short term they will, right? But not in the long that's term. A, that, I think that's the overarching lesson mm-hmm. in the whole show. 
Yeah. Is that people who don't cut corners, people who don't cheat to win, uh, earn the lion's share of the spoils of good, good, a good yeah. life. Yeah. You know. Okay. Before the very last thing that we're going to do on the show, which is to talk about who has grown and who's who's grown the most and who's grown the least, um, you had you pointed out something good uh, that I think we should share. So go ahead, babe. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that you know we haven't talked about Robbie. Tori and Miguel. Okay. And I think they kind of the all triangle? had the, well, kind of a love triangle, <laughs> kind of a just here's the champion, he's the champion, she's the champion. Like they yeah. are all really good at what they're doing. Right. Um, I think they just all had very similar arcs. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, all three of them had really, they didn't, they had hard upbringings, they had hard backgrounds. They're not the rich kids. For yeah. One. Absolutely. And they trained and they all became. Very good at what they're doing. They became champions. And then it, for a while, all of them became very vengeful and very bullying That's true, to varying degrees. They've all been a part of Cobra Kai at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah. They've all sort of learned their lo- lesson at some point. Yeah. I think they all just had really good arcs of learning to to listen to other people and trust other people yeah. and letting people in can actually help your life instead of keeping people at an arm's length. Because you don't want to be hurt or right. have your life made more difficult. But I think they all just had very similar, just they, they all matured. Yeah. In different ways. But which goes to show that um you can grow up without a lot of money. Um, you might think life is unfair, um, and you may get very scornful or spiteful of people with money, especially when it's ill gotten, when it's not deserved. You know, a lot of people just living off of money that they didn't really work for. Um, it can make you spiteful. It can make you feel like the world's unfair. Um, so to, to see characters that grew up tough in the real world and poverty and uh, real life shit, uh, it, it, it really does prove that um, character and champions are made from... Um, champions are made, not born. In other words, it doesn't yeah. matter where you come from. It's forged in fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like taking a tough metal that won't move. You put it in fire. You forge it in fire, and you can make it bendable and malleable, and you can make it how you want it. And then when it cools, uh, it's impenetrable. And and I think that's what hardship is, is that hardship is is our trial by fire where we become for a while wayward. We become, we want shortcuts, and we want to join Cobra Kai, and we want to do everything the easy way. And then eventually we start to realize that um, the cool kids and the cool way isn't necessarily the path to righteousness. It doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, challenges and hardship are our, you know, trial by fire. It forges us into a stronger person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think all three of them did go through trial by fire in various yeah, ways. Like, absolutely. you know, Tori finding out that she didn't win fairly, Miguel with his injury from Robbie, Robbie mm-hmm. causing that injury. Yeah. And they all just, they took those lessons and they learned and they matured and they realized they don't have to be fighting each other all the time. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad Robbie is a good guy now because he was annoying as fuck as a bad guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. I, I sympathize more with Tori as a bad guy because of her upbringing mm-hmm. and because of the straight fact that, um, you know, um, 
uh, being a girl growing up with her problems, how could you not have a fucking attitude? Yeah. So it was just justified, and it just felt real to me. Uh, maybe maybe it hit a little close to home for me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But uh, but I always gave her the benefit of the doubt, and uh, for good reason because there is good in her. Yeah, and I think that just with a lot of the kids, they've just shown growth and maturity yeah. throughout the seasons. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to say? Uh, because we're going to end the show on one singular topic, uh, but uh, anything, any random errant thoughts in your head that you want to get <laughs> out uh, before it's all said and done? Nothing's coming to mind. No. All right, well, you can always do it at the end as exactly. well. Exactly. <laughs> So I wanted to end the show on which character has had the most amount of growth and which character has had the least amount of growth. We will start with the uh, least amount of growth. I think we know the answer, but there might be somebody out there I'm not thinking of. Which character just never fucking learned a goddamn thing? <laughs> There's a few of them, actually. Name them. Well, Chris. Yeah. You know, there was a point, and even in this last um, season where he's talking to Tori and trying to, you know, she's the mole for him within Cobra Kai. Yeah. And at first you think maybe he's trying to help her, but then he's really not. Because when she's having issues about it, he's just like, we'll just do it. You're I don't right, care about right. you. Like, you you think he might be, but he he's yeah. not. He doesn't have any silver. Terry Silver, definitely no growth whatsoever. Right. And freaking little douchebag Kyler. His only thing yeah. at the end, he took off the Cobra Kai jersey, but he's so there still, is hope for Kyler. There's degrees of <laughs> not learning any lessons, well, and he's the least of them. But like with Kenny, I sympathize with him because the story started off uh, introducing him as a, a small geeky kid that liked computer games, and then he got strong, and then he just got mean. The look mm -hmm. in his eyes, there's something irredeemable about the way he becomes cruel. Yeah. And I often wonder if it's if if his redemption story is gonna take longer for me. Yeah. It because is, definitely. he was a real dickhead. Yeah. And uh it's gonna take a, a little while. You know, he he showed his true colors, and his true colors are very much like his older brother. Yeah. He's a sociopath in training, and I I really do hope there's a good redemption story for Kenny because to see his, you know, upbringing and to see, you know, how he was picked on, uh, I really want to see him become a good guy. But uh, for me, the road's a little bit steeper than some of the others. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, because he just became cruel. Yeah, exactly. Is there any other uh, least redeemable characters? Ky Kyler, you yeah. want to expound upon that? Actually, did say Kyler, not Kenny. So we we we, we crossed wires on that one. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, but that's fine because yeah, I had forgotten about Kenny, and he definitely yeah yeah. So yeah, Kyler. Well, Kenny. I wasn't bringing him up for that reason, but mm -hmm. anyways, anyway. But yes, <laughs> Kenny's gonna have a long road. Yeah, and then Kyler, Crease, and Silver. Yeah, definitely. Kyler. You know, I feel like Kyler, because, like, did you notice who was absent this season? Was the little fat kid that came out of the bathroom, was, like, talking about bong rips and shit, mm -hmm. season one? Yeah. And he was always the friend of uh, Kyler. Yeah. The the kind of uh, chubby, curly-haired mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. I didn't notice him this season. And no. 
you know, maybe they got rid of him or maybe they just didn't have room for him or maybe he was edited out. But, um, uh, you know, for me, uh, the characters that I think have grown the least are the ones that just refuse to change. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's Kyler. Kyler never, yeah. you know, at least Kenny was a nice kid in the beginning. He got yeah. picked on, but then he went too far because I think the taste of power, he just went to his head. He, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what power will do. Yeah. That Absolute will. power, you know, uh, corrupts absolutely. Yeah. You know, yep. so he learned that lesson and maybe, maybe he'll humble himself from that point. But Kyler, Mr. Fishstick, oh man. <laughs> I think the only redeeming quality he has is that he's Asian. If he was a white dude, I would have been, fuck him, throw him out, <laughs> goodbye. Being ha- being from a nice, traditional Asian family, I'm hoping to, to death that there's a redemption story there. Because, God, what a douchebag. I know. Oh, yeah, my God. He really is. Because he just, he's such a dude, bro. Mm-hmm. Dude. Oh, and he's always bragging on himself. I loved when Kenny... Was like I never told you the leader and the follower. Right? Was. Yeah, I do ah, like that part. Yeah, I like that part. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, that guy—he's a skinny little fella. Like Kenny could kick his ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he seemed like one of those kids that he was good at it, but he didn't really have to try that much. So he didn't even have a lot of hardships when it came to learning karate. It, it didn't kinda, feel it like it because he was—he always na- was a natural bully. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was a natural. Sh- shit talker and he was he it came natural for him to pick on people and to fight um yeah. but then we're finding out that really when challenge you know i used to always when challenge said, he threw somebody else into the fire like yeah. you go you go be in front of me when challenge he really isn't as strong as all that he's yeah. just a he's everybody knows that shit talker that guy that just stands around talking gr- great mm-hmm. about himself yeah the guy that never shuts the fuck up and shit talks all day every day that's what he, that's what yeah, kyler is definitely. as a character mm-hmm. and the lesson is fuck that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah i hope he has a redemption um uh who else is there anybody else that didn't grow that much this season there are some of the side characters that don't even yeah. have names but i, I think those- that's just because I think they're trying to show how um, kids, especially, uh, are hard pressed to grow, and that mm-hmm. there's always going to be kids that fall fall in line yeah. to mm-hmm. societal pressure, social pressure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we won't talk about those. But uh, who grew the most this season? This season. Or who grow the most as the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter either one. There's been quite a few with really good growth arcs, I think. Yeah, Um, definitely Johnny. Yeah, he grew a lot. He matured. He matured. He baby proofed his house. (laughs) He did. No more lead. No more. uh Uh huh. (laughs) Um, Robbie had a very good redemption arc, I think, Uh because he did start out with a you know a bad background. Tori's on her way there. I think she even started. Hawk. Hawk and went Hawk, from yeah. nerd to badass to nice guy. To humbled. Yeah. He humbled himself. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. why it was easy to accept him back because I don't ever think he w- was a. He could be a dick. But that wasn't who he but the, was. But Hawk was his alter ego. Yeah. Exactly. Hawk was his. <laughs> I'm a hard ass. And I love Hawk. Yeah. Shit. I'm thinking of getting a Hawk tattoo. <laughs> Not of the bird, of him. Right. And 
that ain't right. I'm a 48 year old man. There ain't oh nothing right goodness. with that. But yeah. I love Hawk as a character. He's a badass, and he was he's written as a badass, and that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. definitely. But but he had a redemption too. He did. And, uh, mm-hmm. Who would you say had the greatest redemption? Because even Daniel had a redemption. Mm-hmm. He always thought he had it together. He always looked for um, peace. But the thing is, is that um, uh, what's the old saying? There's an old saying, but um, peace comes to the peaceful. But um, sometimes war comes to your door, whether you're deserving or not. So I think the lesson there is, is that even though he always comes with peace and balance, he had to realize that the real world out there is a fucking sociopathic asshole, despite his best efforts. And to, mm-hmm. the lesson there is that um, uh, just because you hold and carry yourself with a hippy-dippy vibe of peace and balance doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to always be there. It's through your yeah. actions um that, that really carry you forward, not just an attitude of peace. It's like, um, you know, lately we're talking about Sad Guru, and I'm learning a lot of lessons about inner engineering, like the book says, where we have to reflect on how we process. Are we going to react to the world around us, or are we going to respond to the world around us? And response is much more thoughtful and careful than mm-hmm. reaction. When we let the world re, um, force us and to just react angrily all the time, it steals our joy. It steals our inner wisdom. And so you might carry yourself like, you know, it, 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 you might carry yourself as, 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 a, as a guru or a spiritualist or a hippy-dippy um, until someone slaps you in the face and then you turn into a little gangster Chances are you're putting on the act, but you're not, you haven't learned the lesson to carry yourself like that. Um, a good lesson is good, for instance, is that I went through a time just before I met you where I've always been very spiritually humble, trying to turn into a spiritual, uh, spiritualist of sorts to, to uh, you know, be a good guy and to, to carry myself with a sort of uh, kindness and gentleness uh, all the time. And then I lose my shit at the easiest things. It's like, no, you, you know, and, and it reminds me also when I started my job at the army post, I came into it with my best foot forward. Like I always do. And before too long, I was having to like fight back. Sometimes the fight just ends up at your doorstep, whether you deserve it or not. I think yeah. that's the lesson learned here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that definitely. sometimes you can walk the walk. You can wear the garb. You can wear the robes. You can you can do all the steps necessary to look and act the part. But at the end of the day, if you haven't gone through the Jedi training, guess what? You only you're only cosplaying as a Jedi. You don't get the accolades for being wise like a Jedi, trained like a Jedi. So sometimes the the proof is in being challenged. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, a really important definitely. lesson to learn in life that you might be a good guy. You might never fuck with anybody. Uh, you're always kind and gentle to people. Uh, you you kind of carry yourself with a stance of, of love and gentleness. Uh, and then uh, somebody tests you and then you, you, you have a spaz attack mm-hmm. or you act incorrectly. Um, yeah. uh, the proof's in the pudding, man. You know, I admit I'm 
you know, I don't carry myself like like a like a hippie guru because I I know myself. I spaz out. <laughs> I'm passionate. Mm -hmm. I'm Johnny sometimes. Yeah. I'm a mix of Daniel and Johnny. I carry myself like Daniel. I'm uh, ethical and, and, and kind like Daniel. I carry myself with a wisdom about myself. Um, but I grew up in the 80s, so mm -hmm. badass. <laughs> strike hard, strike fast, no mercy sometimes. Yes. But I, I'm learning. I'm growing. I'd say I'm more Daniel than Johnny, but there's a little Johnny in there, mm -hmm. a little Johnny badass. And uh, yeah, sometimes when people fuck with you, you got to go Johnny, Johnny Rotten. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so the final part of this show is who grew the most? Where's the most growth and how do they learn and how do they grow? And what are the lessons we can derive from their transformation into a better person? I think I'm going to go with Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Because he had so many years of stuff to get over. Like, Robbie had a really great growth arc, but he's a teenager. It, it so was a short span it was a of short. time. Johnny, like, in the... Banquet beers and yeah. disparaging women was a 30, 40-year yeah, hobby exactly. for Johnny. And, yeah, I have and, to agree with in that. In the original movies, like, you, you really did hate him because right. he was such a dick. And he's had <laughs> 40 years... <laughs> of stuff that he had which, to get over and work through and process. Which is highly ingrained into mm -hmm. you. When you've been a dick that long, yeah. your arc into a better person mm -hmm. might take a while. And so to see his yeah. growth and to see his gentleness and to see his love for Carmen and love for the baby uh, and his desire to want uh, Miguel and Robbie to get along. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I have to agree with you there. That was a wonderful, yeah. wonderful arc. Definitely. Because, like I said, some of the kids had really good ones, but it was such, they're teenagers. They've got a short little span that they're working on, and oh, his has been ingrained for I think decades. About, I think about high school and how long it felt, four years. Four, the last four years for me went by in an instant. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how fast time goes by, and you're right. Kids go through, through so much so fast. Um, but uh, and it's not to take away from their arc. No, not it's at just all. to say that um, they had they didn't deal with poverty and regret and and loss for forty years like Johnny did. For him yeah. to be this good after forty ingrained years mm -hmm. of being an asshole, yeah. that is some serious growth. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah, that's I why I picked Johnny. <clears throat> I have to agree yeah. with you. Good point. Good point. Uh, is there anything else left to say? Do you want to say anything else about Johnny? Um, I just, I love that character because yeah. he has shown so much growth and he's so still, <laughs> even, yeah, even though he's grown into a more mature person, he's still himself and he still loves what he loves and he's stuck in the 80s and it's well, just, it's funny. And I like the fact that we let him be Johnny sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... When he was doing the job, I mean, he was like putting up his fist at one guy, get out. <laughs> like, I was, and yet, most you, most of the time, you'd be like, oh my God, Johnny. But because it's Johnny, you laugh, mm -hmm. you side with him because yeah. you know his character and his imperfections. <laughs> he's so. Right. He's such a. He is a broken dude and mm -hmm. um, he, he's a mess. And yet, and, and yet, he has great intentions. Yeah. Um, sure. and, I, and I think that's the really the life lesson here. Uh, for all people, is that um, 
you know, don't listen to how people act. Listen to how people are. You know, they can act kind, decent, but if, if their actions don't show it, then they got more work to do. And that's the problem I've had with a lot of people. I've met empaths. I've met all these quote-unquote spiritual gurus that are all highly attuned to their higher senses, and yet they fucking fall apart at the drop of a hat. Or they turn into a dickhead or mean or rude or cruel at the drop of a hat. These people haven't learned their lesson. They're only pretending to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So watch for, for those sure. people. Yeah. They're phony. Yeah. You have to be vigilant about things. Yeah. Sometimes. Absolutely. Do you have anything more to say, baby? I'm thinking, but I don't think so. Yeah, it's we just, covered a lot. We covered a lot. And yeah. it's just, it's really, I, it's just a great series because it, it shows reality and it shows people how they are. And yeah. it allows people to grow and fall backwards and be themselves. And Yeah, well, it, it kind of, it's a story that talks about um, the trials and tribulations of life. Mm-hmm. The trials and tribulations of poverty and the economy. As an adult and as a teenager. I like that it right. spans so many generations because yeah. it's not just one side. But I love that the show can be for younger people and older yeah. people. I mm-hmm. think that's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's amazing to me that these this silly little trilogy from the 80s turned into this yeah. juggernaut of not only popular television, but... But something that I think, um, I mean, I have a fucking Cobra Kai shirt in the closet, dude. <laughs> you know, it, it I just, think these days it, people, it there's there's such a, a strong nostalgia for things because mm-hmm. sometimes the world today is just so hard to deal with. And yeah. you just, it, you want to fall back into the comfortable things. And when the that comfortable things, around. yeah, and then when they can be kind of brought into the modern world and they're still comfy and yeah. you can still learn from them, it's just, well, it's I nice. Think, well, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about, can't Hollywood come up with some original stories? Yeah, I think they can. Mm-hmm. If you look at Hulu, Amazon Prime, all these streaming services, there's a ton of original content. I think the reason why they go back to the old reliable of, of, well, part of it is financial. Mm -hmm. If you can attach the word predator to a Prey movie, hey, you're you're one step closer to money-making endeavors. But but I also think it's more than that. I think um, nostalgia is a form of... Going back to a simpler time and uh, just going back to a comfort that people love. And um, uh, I, I think if you want just original content, then go find original fucking content. If you don't want remakes yeah. and uh, reboots, then d- 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 don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there. Yeah. There's... Well, this idea that um, Hollywood can't think of anything original. Want to bet? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of original content. Yeah, there is. It's just that there's a lot of stuff. Now, I don't necessarily like stuff that relies strictly on nostalgia. That's not mm-hmm. done well. Well, yeah, because Cobra Kai wouldn't have lasted as long as it does just strictly on nostalgia. No, not we would have gotten bored with all the yeah. little nods, but it's quality. And Easter eggs. So it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and it's matured and gotten better as the seasons have gone on. Absolutely. Well, that's what's so in. funny to me is that this little tiny franchise blossomed into this behemoth 
mm-hmm. of, of yeah. good storytelling, funny, there's drama, there's lessons, and that's why I wanted to talk about it today, because, yeah, I mean, um, Cobra Kai is a good show, but why is it a good show? Yeah. It's good because it's good for kids. It's good for adults. Uh, it, it, it puts a mirror up to society and shows it as it sometimes really is. And I think mm-hmm. kids need to see that. So I'm really glad sometimes that it doesn't sugarcoat and whitewash yet. Mm-hmm. It yeah. really does show the uglier, grittier, grittier side to life and th- how different people of different upbringings might respond to life. Um, yeah, I'm just so glad because this could have turned out so Disney, so yeah. G-rated it, yep. it could have with the been. handsome kid actor and the, the beautiful uh, teen girl and all the it could have turned into this hallmark movie extravaganza mm-hmm. bullshit but no it found something deep and meaningful and real for all the characters and that mm-hmm. is just unfucking heard of these yeah days. one thing i appreciate about it is that it's not black and white this is good and this is bad there's so many shades nuances of gray, yeah. and shades of gray sure. yeah so well yeah and also i mean like when um like like when Daniel said, no mercy, motherfucker. I was like, <laughs> whoa. And there's a lot of F-bomb dropping. And then, uh, like, when they went to, to party, they partied at the apartment, and they were having a fucking kegger. Mm-hmm. And they didn't mm-hmm. sugarcoat it. They weren't just like, oh, we'll just leave the alcohol out because we don't want to offend Christian mm-hmm. moms. Yeah, That was so fucking bold mm-hmm. and daring. The fact that they're willing to go there. And actually show it how it would really be and not just pussy out like they always do. Always Mm -hmm. trying to wimp out because they don't want to send the wrong message. I think that's what's beautiful about the show is that the kids had a party, but then it all ended poorly. You know, Mm -hmm. Samantha had a flip out and they all (laughs) left. Um, You know, what's the point there? Is that going to parties makes you sad. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But I just mean to say that um, the fact that they're ballsy enough to show people with drug habits, to show people with alcoholism, to show uh, criminals, narcissists, sociopaths, uh, living in the real world, ugly, ugly, un- injustice and inequality, and then to form characters around that backdrop in a way that feels mostly real, mm-hmm. I think that's a yeah. real testament to the good writing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And good mm-hmm. acting. Yeah. All around. They're all great. I mean, even Terry Silver. That motherfucker. Woo! I want to whoop his ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so mad at him. Like, I if, I, if I saw him at Comic-Con, I'd get angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I showed a picture. There's a guy that I follow, and he went to Comic-Con in Salt Lake, and uh, he was around the whole cast, minus Daniel. I don't know where Daniel son was, but. Maybe he's too good for Comic Con, but I don't no. think Johnny was there either. I don't think. No, he was. Was he there too? Yeah, he oh, was okay. in the picture. I didn't notice. And him. Uh, you know, and, and and Terry Silver, the guy who plays Terry Silver, was there. And uh, it's like, yeah, you, you, you know, you hate this fucking character, and <laughs> you have to stop and realize, oh yeah, he's just an actor. Calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that just is a testament. It's a testament to, how good to his great acting and great yeah. writing. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. Anything else left for to say about this? I mean, is is what's for you? What is the life lesson that we can all derive from Cobra Kai? 
That is that is a big question. Um, be yourself. Sure. Learn who you are and stick to who you are. Yeah. Allow people to change. Have a code. Have a code Have of a ethics. Code. Yeah. Allow people to be themselves and to change and grow. Don't be intimidated by people who are bigger than you, stronger than you, when it comes to your code of conduct, mm-hmm. your code of ethics. Yeah. Stick to your guns. Definitely. Don't change yeah. for others. Yeah. Because maybe they're on a bad collision course with destiny. Unless you could benefit from changing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I meant for the worst. No, I know. Don't give in to the bullies in the bully pulpit and the Mm -hmm. people who are trying to hurt you. Yeah. Just learn and grow. Stick to your guns and know that it's in the right. You know, that doesn't mean you got to be a nerd. If you need to loosen up a little like Daniel, that's okay. Maybe you need to dress a little bit cooler, you know, like Miguel in the beginning was kind of nerdy and he started dressing cooler. There's nothing wrong with trying to be cool. There's nothing wrong with trying to be badass. There is nothing cool or there's nothing wrong, essentially, with trying to fit in and trying to be, you know, hip, cool, with Mm -hmm. it, attractive. Uh, Just know where the line should be. That's all. I think that's the the life lesson there. And, that, and that's why it's so interesting because I, I can't think of a lot of shows that do that. Can you? Nothing comes to mind, honestly. I can't think of anything that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's the realest show I've ever seen. No, but nothing that is. Nothing is contemporary and modern right. in the real world. Yeah. But like you said, that, that relates to adults and to teenagers. Right. Especially Multi-generational. Things, yeah. And especially sure. things that are teen-centric. There's. Yeah, there's well, yeah, because like most of the teen centric shit, I'm like, no thanks. Mm-hmm. I hate your music. It's <laughs> yeah. fake as fuck. <laughs> fuck you, bye. Yeah, it just has that nine o two one o teeny bopper mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Nothing against teens. Nothing. I'm not an ageist. No, um, not at all. It's just usually not realistic at all. But when I can like a teen in a movie or show, it means ah. Not only are you doing something right in that show, but it means that the dad or the mom, the parents are, uh, you know, raising kids right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my biggest fear in our society is that we're not fucking raising kids right anymore. They're cutting corners left and right. Uh, There's no work ethic. Uh, They want to cut corners. They all want to become models and Instagrammers and OnlyFans, naked nudity, bullshit. Like... If that's what you got to do to survive, I'd much rather do an OnlyFans than work at Burger King. But if you got options in this world, yeah, have a greater it's... understanding. And I'm not trying to say that all nudity is bad or, you know. No, far that, from it. You know, you know, if you got to jerk off the porn, hey, there ain't no shame in that game. What I'm saying, though, is is that um, don't sell drugs when you can work a real job. Don't go be a fucking Twitter slut before you go get a real job. Go figure out real life first. And then if you got to go back and do the other things that aren't all on the up and up, then do it. But but um, and, and it's not about shaming sex workers. It's not about mm-hmm. shaming people who put on a little show. But OnlyFans, I mean, we're living in a world now that just, good grief, man. Everybody and their brother are just trying to get famous and rich. Money for nothing. 
money for nothing. They don't want to work for it sometimes. Yeah. And while I get it, you know, the economy's bad, low wage jobs, but you gotta start and pay your dues first. And then later when you realize when you're old and jaded like me, then you can go be a like, podcast. Like the, the <laughs> teachers or the EMTs that have quit their their day right. jobs to go to OnlyFans because they can make more money that way. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's the stark reality is that, you know, you're quitting your job as an EMT to go, you know, shake your moneymaker on OnlyFans. Um, it goes to show what's wrong with our society, and that's why we fight for systemic equality. It's not about being a prude. I'm no sexual prude. There's nothing wrong with pornography when you use it correctly, when you don't have an addiction to it. Um, but God, man, every other day on Twitter, on social media, just some hoe, hoeing it up. Good grief. Read a fucking book, will you please? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yes. we're, we digress. <laughs> but the point is, is that I think that's what the show's about is finding your moral center in a world where it's so easy to not have the patience for clarity, to have the patience for peace of mind, to have the patience to do things the right way. I think hard work comes to those who are willing to, I don't know, work hard and not cut corners. Yeah. And if you don't like your job later on after you paid some dues, then do the unconventional thing. Um, you know, Etsy's unconventional, selling beauty blogs, whatever, you know, uh, any any number of things we can do to make money uh, that you're not compromising yourself to do. But when it's just, it, like I see these people, all people, oh God, people starting companies just to manage podcasts. Fuck mm, off. Right. Yeah. I don't need you, Johnny come lately. They started this in their bedroom a day and a half ago they've got 12 followers but no somehow they're gonna find success for me yeah right <laughs> <laughs> anyway but do you want you know it's what a weird I, world it is a weird world and that's yeah. it's hard to navigate these days yeah and i think that's what's neat about the show yep i agree anyway you got anything else for us baby all right. Just check it out. It's it's good. It's check not it just out. it's not fluff. It's yeah. it's real. It's really it's great. There's some it's substance really in there. There's, a lot There's of some lessons in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh thank you guys so so very much for being a friend. Um I just want to say that um I know I come off silly and irreverent and uh brash here on this show, but in my heart of hearts, I don't talk like this in real life. This is radio. Okay? I talk like Low and slow. This is how I really talk. Hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> I don't yell everything. Um, in my real life, um, I'm very, very humbled to be doing this for you guys. And I'm very humbled to have a beautiful wife that I love and I care about. And I'm very, very humbled that as a sensitive, as an empath, that could very easily fall apart under pressure. I'm learning a new strength and kindness and sensibility. And uh, I'm really learning spiritually what it's all about. And so I want you guys to understand that, um, you know, this is radio. There's a little bit of radio talk in there. 
I talk a certain way. It's to keep the show exciting and fun and silly and playful. Um, but we're also trying to do real stuff too. We're trying to teach. We're trying to teach morals and values, ethics. We're trying to teach people um, how to get along with each other. Uh, uh, we're trying to teach uh, socio-political stuff. You know, I'm not just some uh, woke liberal. If you're conservative, that's fine. Just be for something and not just always against something. Yeah. You know, and that's what the show is all about is to um, talk about the, the life and times that we found ourselves in as crazy as it is and try to make sense of it all. So if you guys want to be our friends, you want to be a, uh, we have a Patreon. You can go on there and uh, go on Patreon, be a patron, $3, $5, $10 and $20. Uh, if you go to the $10 or above uh, tier you after your third donation you will get a mug or you will get what is it you'll get a sticker a sticker or a mug and uh, I just redid them with a brand new logo so it's terrific and uh, if you want to tip us a couple bucks here and there two dollars a month one dollar a month 59 cents a month you guys Every little bit helps. And this doesn't go into some bank account of my riches. We don't make any money doing this. We're real working folks. We are real people. Salt of the earth. We struggle with our mental health. We struggle with real life. We struggle with the unfairness. But we do all this because we want to teach values and lessons. And we want to uh, connect with people on an emotional level that's real and we want to help people with their mental health and we want people to feel emboldened in this life in a life that oftentimes doesn't always make us feel so uh, bold yeah, and empowered absolutely. You know? and just by by listening and being there you're helping us work through our lives yeah and our things our it's very health. therapeutic yeah. i never thought i would be able to the thought of talking, <laughs> right. you know me, I don't like talking in real life. Right. So this is, well, I don't talk, you tell, tell the folks, I don't, I don't yell everything all the time. <laughs> I don't talk like this in real life. This is, this no, is, of course not. this is playful. Mm -hmm. This is banter. This is yeah. for fun and to keep things exciting, but it's helping us. And if it can help anybody more, the better. Yeah. That's and, what it's all about. It's about helping you guys. And it's about helping ourselves and you guys and creating sort of a community, I call it my empath tribe, but call it whatever you want. But it's just about me meeting people that we can trust that aren't going to later change and fuck us over. Mm -hmm. Somebody that just to, to depend on who shares maybe not everything in common, but has similar sensibilities. That's what it's all about. And to be cool without being chilly. That's really yeah. what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know. So thank you, baby. I love you. Great show. Great. Right back at you. Always good stuff. Yeah. And uh, thank you guys for being a friend. Come on over. Couple bucks. We're not. We're. We really try hard not to annoy you guys with that kind of stuff. But we need help. I just changed podcast hosts. Uh, that'll save me a little bit of money. Uh, it will also allow me to 
allow my show to be as long as I want it to be. I could do six hour shows if I wanted now. <laughs> it's unlimited. Yeah. We won't do that. We will not do that. But um, <laughs> but my point simply is is that we are growing. <clears throat> we are growing better as people. We are growing better at radio and broadcasting. Uh, but most importantly, we're growing into better people because we want to uh, lead through example. And uh, we want you guys to have a robust, um, fun, playful, but thoughtful life like us. At least we're trying to have that. And uh, we just we want you to just get come away from the show feeling happy and joyful and empowered. That's yeah, that's what it's absolutely. all about for me. It is. Yeah. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. so thank you, babe. Thank you, guys. Um, we love you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. If you want to come on over to our uh, social media, you can get on Patreon. I talk to you guys there. That's where you'll get newsletters. Uh, you can also go to uh, my link tree. That's link tree forward slash chef comedy. Everything is there, including tip jars. Um but um, if you uh, if you guys want to go be friends with us on social media, uh, Instagram is our most most popular place. Uh, you are uh, where at, baby? I am spooky nerdy gal. Yeah, and I'm at uh, Surviving Empathy Podcast on uh, Instagram. I'm also on Chef Bride Comedy on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I am not a Snapchatter or a TikToker. I don't think I ever <laughs> will be. <laughs> That yeah. ship has sailed. I'm like Johnny in that respect. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm good at technology, but I have my limits. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys. We love you. And uh, just be good to each other, please. Yep, for sure. Have a good day. Bye.